Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files and forms for ordering CDs for these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would like to now introduce our speaker for tonight, Veronica B. Hi, I'm Veronica. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Hi, Veronica. And, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. It's been such a long time to be here live. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, and this is uh, my truth, and I'm going to share with you... um, uh, a little bit about what it was like, what happened, what it's like for me today, or how I'm trying to live today. And I have the timer here, so I can time myself, and um, I feel nervous. And um, I came into Overs Anonymous uh, in July of 2009, and um, I didn't know there was a solution for my eating disorder. Um, and this is where I found a solution here in these rooms, in the 12 steps, and in getting a, a power greater than myself to help me in, and guide me in every single situation in my life today. And I'm going to share about that. Um, just a little bit about uh, my background. I am the oldest of four girls, and I have two older brothers, and my parents are both immigrants from Mexico. And they came here when they were young. They were uneducated. And so they had to work really hard, um, you know, to take care of, there's so many of us, right? So I had to share my bed, I had to share my bedroom, I shared my clothes with my younger siblings, I had to help take care of them, and I just remember from a very young age, um, not wanting to be responsible, and feeling like it was too much for me, I felt like, um, very uncomfortable in my own skin, and from a very young age, I used food to feel better. I was told that I always had a pacifier in my mouth, I always had a pacifier in my hand, and um, and I was told that of all the children, I always was the one to ask for an extra serving of food, okay? So um, I'm an overweight child, and when I was about 15 years old, I asked my mom to take me to a diet doctor, and this doctor gave me amphetamine pills. And I love how they made me feel, I love that they took away my appetite. And I lost 40 pounds. And when I went back to the doctor, he wouldn't give me any more pills. So I didn't know how was I going to be able to maintain this weight loss that I had lost. I started getting attention from boys. And somehow that's how I just discovered eating and throwing up. I thought I had found my solution to my problems, right? Because I was so uncomfortable in my skin that I used food to soothe myself. I use food as a coping mechanism in my life. And um, and so when I discovered I could eat whatever I want and get rid of it, you know, I, I um, like, found relief in that. And so, um, so what happened to me was I also started to drink. I really loved the effects by, um, you know, how the pills made me feel. So I started drinking, and that progressed, and that led me into Alcoholics Anonymous in 2005. 
And when I got sober, I was relieved of the obsession to drink. However, my, my um, disease of compulsive eating progressed. And I found myself in the meetings thinking about food, thinking about my next binge, thinking about where I was going to go after the meeting. And food consumed my every thought. And even though I was getting freedom from my drinking, I was, I was living this daily hell with the food. And, um, you know, and then worrying about my weight and worrying about how I looked. And it was, like, all-consuming. And so I told uh, my sponsor in, in AA, and she had suggested to go speak to someone in the rooms of AAs, saying that she had experience with um, Ovaries Anonymous. And I had never heard of you guys before, so I was intrigued. And at the same time, there was a woman um, in the room who so had lost a lot of weight. And she looked really happy. And I was attracted to that. I wanted to know, what is she doing? And, um, and then I found out she was an Overeaters Anonymous. So now I'm more intrigued. And so um, I went to dinner with the same girl. And at the end of, at the end of dinner, um, they gave us a bill with two pieces of chocolate. And as soon as he puts the bill down and the chocolate, I mean, that girl, she didn't even, like, flinch. She didn't even think twice. She was just like, no, thank you. And that impressed me. You know, because all I was thinking about was, oh, I'll, I'll take your candy. I'll take your chocolate, you know. And so I'm just like, I'm, I'm really wanting to know what is she doing that's changed. She's changed, and she looks happy. And, um, again, over is anonymous. So towards the end of my eating and throwing up, like, I had become so desperate that I was willing to, like, do what's necessary to um, get better. And um, I asked a woman to sponsor me. She said she was full in OA, and I was so hurt, and I felt so rejected. But I didn't care. I just, I wanted what you had. I wanted freedom from the food obsession. And so I asked the second woman, and she said she was full. And I was, like, so hurt. I felt so rejected, but I didn't care because I needed freedom. I was like, I was like a prisoner in my head with food thoughts, and um, and there was a woman who had a reputation of saying yes to sponsoring, and so I felt like I had to ask her for help, even though she wasn't my first choice. <laughs> she wasn't my second choice. But I really wanted to change, like I needed help, you know. So I, I, put, I put everything aside, what I think, think I know, my, you know. I put all that aside, and I asked her to work with me, and she, of course, said yes, and she started to help me. And she had me do a list of things. She had me write down um, my red, yellow, and green foods, and then she asked me to abstain from the red columns a meal at a time. She had me, you know, 
She helped me with like a food plan with like three meals, two optional snacks. And then because I'm bulimic, part of my abstinence was not throwing up no matter what. So what an order. I can't go through with it, right? So first for me, um, and then she had me go to uh, meetings on regular meeting nights, and then she had me get commitments. And I had to have good training in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. Unfortunately, the credits don't transfer, you know, but I had good study good study guides, you know, from AA. So, okay, at first, I had to learn just not to throw up. Like, I had to learn to be uncomfortable feeling full, and for me, that was very new. And, um... And and I was okay with that in the beginning. Like, I would just call her and say, oh, I feel disgusting. I feel gross. I just ate. And it's like, oh, it's okay. Go to a meeting. Call somebody. Get out of yourself. You know, just take that one action to, like, get out of myself long enough to, like, the, the thought will change, right? And, um, and so I just started getting really busy here. And... Um, I don't know how, but the obsession from throwing up was removed. This is how I know that there is a higher power. This is how I know that there is a God, because I ate and threw up for 15 years. 15 years I ate and threw up. Like, I work as a flight attendant, and I would wait for all my first-class passengers to finish their food, and then I would go and help myself to all the leftovers, and I would go get rid of it in that little lavatory, and I would have to reapply my makeup, reapply my lipstick, and do you know how hard it is to reapply red lipstick? You know? And I would pray that I wouldn't see my colleagues, and, um, I mean, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work, you know? And so... um, so the obsession to uh, throw up was removed, you know. But then, you know, my food. My food took a little longer for me to get clean, you know. I would come to these rooms, and you guys would say that you didn't have uh, flour and sugar. And I said to myself, that's never going to be me. There's no way. No way. And you know what? I just kept coming. I kept doing the work. And one day I was struck with like clean eating and I felt so amazing okay and I'm working the steps and um and then I I got a divorce and I was feeling I was feeling so good and then um little by little I started like to take my will back you know little by little I, I stopped doing the things that made me feel God's presence, that made me feel like I was living on a spiritual path. Um, I remember I got a divorce, and then um, I felt like I had to make up for lost time for being married for seven years, and so I was kind of doing whatever I want, whenever I wanted, you know, when it came in the relationship department, and uh, that wasn't making me feel very good inside. And uh, my experience is, like, I came here with all these, um, like, my I suffer from alcoholism, right? The big book says that my, my disease centers in my mind. That it's really my thinking that's my problem. And that on my own power, I get myself in uh, stressful situations. On my own power, I create trouble. On my own, like, I, like, my ego wants to protect me. 
this is on my own power. This is what led me in these rooms. This is what led me to all my suffering on my own power. So I need a power greater than me to restore me to sanity. I, I can't do that on my own. Like I need, I need a God to help me, guide me, and be with me through everything in my life. And, and I had to learn that here. First I had to like work the 12 steps and then I had to apply them in my life. You know, I had to live the steps. And it wasn't a, it's not an overnight matter, you know, it was a process and practice, so much practice. You know, when I, you know, so, so this program is all about like taking different actions so that I can help me think differently and behave differently. And, you know, because it's not natural for me for me to want to do things for others, for, for example, for example. So by, by living these steps, I get, to, I get to behave differently by showing up for others. I get to do a lot of 10 steps in the day, and then I do my nightly review at nighttime so that I can see where I could have done better in the day, you know, so, but it was a process, you know, so, um, so I got into a relationship with a, a, a chronic relapser. I met a guy in AA, and it was like, um, I came in at 09, so I was a, you know, I was doing the program, and then I met him, and then my program kind of took a back seat. You know, I had, I had made him a higher power, and, and thank God, like, I didn't lose my, you know, thank God I didn't start throwing up, because I started to have food thoughts, and I just wasn't feeling very good, like, I always felt like I was in turmoil, you know, so, um, so I ended that relationship, and, um, okay, so this is how I was doing my program. I would have two clean meals. And then my third meal, I would eat, like, a canister of Pringles and sugar-free chocolate. And I thought, like, if I could just balance out the calories and not gain weight, like, I'm good, right? So I'm still trying to control and manage, right? There's a saying, there's a, you know, in the big book, I think it's more about alcoholism, where it says, like, my biggest obsession is that one day I'm going to be able to control and manage my drinking, for me, like, my intake of, like, sugar-free candy and, like, potato chips um, and eat like a lady, you know, or be able to control it, you know. And But my experience is, like, um, I white-knuckled a lot of my recovery. And, like, I had no food neutrality because I was still using that for an effect, you know. The doctor's opinion talks about, like, men and women eat because they like the effects produced by alcohol. Well, I love the effects produced by, you know, flour, sugar, and things that have a bag, like, you know, chips and sugar-free candy, like, and so, um, and I remember I would call my sponsor, and I'm like, I'm telling my sponsor not to eat this, but I'm eating it, you know? She's like, well, it's kind of fraudulent, you know, why don't you, why don't you be willing to not do that, and, um... And then I would be like, and then I would eat it, and then I would feel like remorse in the morning. And I, but I just kept coming here. Like the one thing I, I never stopped doing was I never stopped coming. You know, 
I never stopped coming. I never stopped being in contact with you fellows. So, like, I always, you know, I never stopped coming. Okay. But I did feel like, um, you know, I was white knuckling it. So, I was, she would say, like, ask for the willingness. And then I'm like, okay, like, I would go visit my mom, who, um, you know, has Alzheimer's. And it was, like, too much for me, right? I would go visit my mom, and then I would get in the car, and I would be like, okay, God, please give me the willingness not to go to CVS and get my chips, you know? And my car would just drive itself to CVS. And that, like, I just kept doing that. And I thought I was asking God for the willingness, right? But, but, um, but that wasn't working. So if it's not working for you, you got to try something different, right? So... What I started to do was I would make a call, like, hey, like, I'm really uncomfortable. I feel so sad. I just went to see my mom. Things are getting worse. She's getting worse. I want to eat Pringles. Like, I really had a towel on myself, you know, and this was like a turning point for me in my recovery because um, I didn't want to call you because I didn't really want to not eat it. Like, I wanted an effect. I wanted some relief from, like, my hard day, you know. And um, I did this. I did this for like the first. You know, I came in '09. I don't know. Was 2022? I did this like for my first. You know, seven years, eight years, long time. Okay. And um, I mean, there would be periods where I, what I didn't eat that, but I was eating popcorn. I was eating like bowls of popcorn at night. My point is, like, I was trying to control and manage still. You know, and um, and so so then so that that's what happened, and then COVID hit. Fast forward, this went, and then COVID hit, and um, and then you know, so I'm the same person. When I came into these rooms, like I'm the same person that with the same thinking before I came in these rooms. So I still have the same thinking. Like it's my alcoholism that I have to, first I have to know who I am, and I do that by doing an inventory. I have to know what makes me tick, right? This is the whole point of the steps. Like, I have to know what makes me tick. I have to know um, and see, like, my, my thinking patterns. If I don't see that, then I'm not going to know but to ask God to help me change. And so, um, and then I have to know, like, what my problem is. I know what my problem is. You know, I have, I have this allergy of the body to certain foods. And then I have a brain that says, Veronica, you haven't had that for so long. You can have one bite of a cookie. I have that mental twist that forgets the last time I had that binge, you know. I know this about me in my heart today, okay. And I know that I use certain foods for an effect, I know this too. And I know that I'm in a different entity as like my sister who says, oh, I can only have half of a slice of cheesecake because it's too rich. (laughs) She's different than me. I'm in a different entity. I go for the richness. I want the icing on the cake. I don't want the cake part. I want the icing, you know, like the richer, the better, you know. This is what food does for me, and I know this about me. And so... So, um, and then I have to know, like, you know, where I'm going, you know. For me, like, I just want, I want, I want to feel comfortable in my own skin with not knowing what's next. 
okay. And it's hard for someone like me because I want to know what's going to happen next week. I want to know what the right action is to take. And I want you to tell me. I don't want to figure it out on my own. So I, this is how I came in to OA with that thinking, you know, the thinking that self, self, and then and then the dependence on you to tell me. So, so um, by working these steps and and by getting a relationship with God to help me in every situation, and like by applying these steps in my life. The big book is very clear on what to do when I'm feeling resentment or fear or any disturbance. I just like to call it disturbance, you know, because it doesn't even have to be a resentment. But I know for me as a compulsive eater, like, I can't afford to live with fear and resentment or disturbance. And, and, I, and I get disturbed a lot in the day, a lot, you know. And, and so I do, that's where I do, like, the spot check, 10 steps, you know. And, like, I know my character defects. I know them so well. I know when I'm practicing them. I know when I'm in them. And that's when I get, at that moment, I get to ask God to help me. God, please, please, God, help me. Help me and then help me to act in the opposite manner. I ask God for help like, like a desperate person, you know. That's how I treat my, my, my character defects, you know, because I really do want to change. I don't want to be the old way. It's my thinking that gets me in my my problems. It's my thinking that gets me in all the trouble. It's my thinking that like my importance, my thinking that like my like I my importance is more important than you. Like me being here is more important than you. You know, like that's that thinking. You know, and that's what I have to get rid of every day. And I can't do it on my own. Like, I need God's help. And, um, you know, my, okay, so my food plan. Okay, so when COVID hit, I um, I started working with a different sponsor, and she was going to take me through the steps out of the big book. I have never done the 12 steps out of the big book in Overeaters Anonymous. I've done them in A, but I've never done them in OA. And, and um, I was so desperate, and I was emotionally bankrupt like emotionally bankrupt and I needed a new experience and I needed to get close to God because at the time I knew I was going to break up with my boyfriend who or my fiance who I knew I thought I could not live without okay I knew I was going to break up with him my mom had Alzheimer's and I know that her Alzheimer's is going to get worse and then um and then my sister my younger sister had been diagnosed with bone cancer never been sick in her life okay so I knew I was going to have a lot of emotional pain. So I was afraid I was going to lose what I had. And so I um, asked this woman, and she said, okay, I want you to, um, you know, give me your food while we're working the steps. And then she gave me, um, you know, she, then I would call her like three times a week. And when we talked, we only talked step work. I didn't get to dump. I didn't get to say, you know, Blah, blah, blah. Like, we, we talked step work first, and then if something was pressing, then we would talk. And um, and so she found out what I was eating. I was eating breakfast for dinner. I was eating, I was eating um, you know, like I remember the two clean meals. I was eating two cups of cereal, two cups of cornflakes, and a, and a fruit for dinner. 
and and she said um, she said hey didn't you say that sugar is one of your ingredients and I said yes and she's like well there's a lot of sugar in cornflakes do you think you can just not eat it while we work the steps I got angry I got angry when she said that okay I got really angry and and there was another woman willing to sponsor me who was okay with me having cornflakes for, for dinner <laughs> So why would I choose this woman who asked me not to eat the cereal? Why? Why? Because I knew in my heart I was using the cereal as an effect. Because, like, just knowing I was going to get my cornflakes, I felt relief. You know? Having a hard day. I'm having a hard day. Oh, but I'm going to have my cornflakes tonight. And and I know that's not normal eating. And... Um, so I said, okay, I want a different experience. And and that week, I went to Colorado to go help my sister who had bone cancer. She had just gotten a bone marrow transplant, and she needed help with uh, me preparing her meals and just helping her. And um, day two that I'm there, I open her pantry, and what do I see? The box of cornflakes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it today. Like, it is too uncomfortable to be here with my sister who has bone cancer. It's too uncomfortable to be here and watch her husband drink himself to death every night. I am so, so uncomfortable. I'm not going to make it. And I would call a fellow in OA, and I would say, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have cereal. And she would say, but you said you want a different experience. Remember? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And then I just continue to do my step work. Remember, I'm meeting my sponsor three times a week. We're going over step work. I'm still doing my step work, even though I'm with my sister, and I'm still showing up to my meetings, my committed meetings. And I'm doing all this work. And I said, you're right. And, you know, she said what I needed to hear just to get me through the next hour, just that next hour. And guess what? I didn't eat the cereal. I had my dinner, and I had, you know, my snack. I went to bed, I woke up, I was like, praise God. Okay. Next day, something happened, I got really angry, and I said, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it today. And I and I texted my sponsor, I, I, I don't think I'm going to, because she said, I said, would you still sponsor me if I ate this food? She's like, no, because you, you know, you're not ready. And I'm like, darn, you know. And so I said, okay. And so I said, okay, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm going to eat this food. And she said, um, Veronica, write a definition of your higher power. Focus on that. Thank God that that's not your food today. And go see who you can help. And keep thanking God that that's not your food today. Maybe you'll have it tomorrow, but for today, that's not your food. And, you know, that was enough for me to get me through that next hour. And I didn't have the cereal. And one other thing she said to me was, like, when we're done with the steps, if you want to eat the cereal, you can go ahead and eat the cereal. I was like, okay. And so, so um, that's what happened. And we worked the steps. We finished the steps. And guess what? I didn't want the cereal after I finished the steps. Like, the obsession was removed. That was the part that I was too afraid to give to God. Like, if I don't have some relief, you know, what am I going to get my relief from? That's what I was afraid of. And so, 
But I get my relief today from God. And I get my relief today from knowing that that I am on this earth to be useful and today like I have a purpose. You know, I have I am so needed with my family, with my mom who has Alzheimer's. I know today you know what do I know? I know that God is all loving and he is nothing but joy and love and like for me like God's will is like any action that makes love grow like any action that makes love grow right and through working the steps and like me constantly you know me constantly asking God to help me and like what what's the next right action what's the next right loving action you know what is the next right loving action and I try to put myself in other people's shoes that has helped me um you know, I just don't react as, my reaction time, like, it's lesson. you know, like, these steps of, like, they've, they've kind of, um, like, they've made me less hard, you know, I feel softer, I feel like more, I feel like I could be more exposed, you know, and, um, because I need a lot of help, I need so much help, and, but, but, and I know that, like, when I get in self-will, that's when I get in a lot of trouble. That's when, like, I make a lot of problems for myself. And, um, you know, but I didn't, like, it just, it was a process for me. You know, it was, like, layers of letting go. And, like, today I know that, like, my ego is my problem. You know, my, my thinking that my self-importance, like, that's my problem. So I have to lessen all that by putting God first, putting you guys first, putting, like, spiritual principles first. And the, the big book is so clear on what to do under certain situations, you know. And I use that every day as my guide. Um, I, um, so... So what do I want to say to the newcomer? Oh, welcome, welcome. You, you are absolutely in the best place you can be. And give yourself a chance. Just like give yourself a gift and work these 12 steps. Because the 12 steps are um, how I live my life today. They never let me down. God never lets me down. It's when I get into self-will that gets me down. Like, that's when I get myself into trouble, into despair, into loneliness, you know. And um, and there's so much, there's so much more. I just don't know. Um, you know, it's been a really hard, it's been really hard, um, like, the last so many years now. Um, one really hard thing that happened um, last year was I have a sister who was living with our mom and she lived with our mom for many years and she was like verbally abusive to our mom and so I partnered up with another sister to, and we got a lawyer and we had her removed from the house and I was so torn like my heart felt so heavy from having to take this action, but I had to remember, like, 
why I was doing it. It was for our mom's common. Oh, see, I'm setting my own timer. It was for our mom's common good, and um, like. So those kind of things for me are really hard, and those are the kind of things like I would eat over, and like I would feel like it, like um, being disloyal to my sister, or like God's gonna punish me, or just like weird thinking, like bad thinking. So um, I had to stay really close and just keep asking God to help me, and just remember like my primary purpose was to be there for my mom, be my mom's advocate, and the whole time I was so nice to my sister. I was so nice to her when I went to court. Because it must be hard for her. It must have been really hard for her to be asked to leave a house where she's in, you know, she loves her mom, but she's been there for so many years. Like, that must have been really hard for her. So this is how I was able to be nice to her, by putting myself in her shoes. And that's really how I try to live today. I really try to put myself in other people's shoes and see how they might feel. And that helps me, you know, be less judgmental, it helps me be more tolerant, um, and it helps me, you know, feel like the presence of God. You know, it helps me not, you know, because I can't afford being judgmental. I mean, I'll, I really try not to judge. I mean, the thoughts might come, but I don't entertain it. You know, I just don't entertain it. I, I have to, like, push through by, like, t- you know, just... Just saying things like, God help me, God, 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 love, love. You know, just like trying to um, not entertain those things because whatever I focus on grows, you know. So all those things I've learned here, I've I've learned all that here. You know, let go and let God, let go and let God. So I know that you guys ask questions, so I guess I'll I'll end a little early for that. And thanks, Kiko, for asking me today. Everybody. Thank you so much. Um, could you talk a little bit more about um, your God? Like, I know you said that you had to write out a description of your God. Well, my higher power, well, first of all, I know, there's two things I know about higher power. One is that there is one, and two, I'm not it. <laughs> okay? And for me, my relationship with God is just like any relationship, Right? And how do you develop a relationship? By communicating. I communicate with God. I ask him all the time to help me. By focusing on gratitude. Like, i got to focus on gratitude. Um, by helping others. Um, by getting quiet. i got to get quiet. I love the quiet. You know, that is really when I, when I feel connected to, like, you know, this is an inside job. And so, you know, God is either everything or he is nothing, you know. So I have to choose God. Like, I get to choose today, you know. Um, and there's just all these things that I do to help me get close to God. I do all that. And it it's a practice, you know. And by practicing it, it's just like, it's just a working part of me, you know. God, God, God help me. God, you know, God, what would you have me be? What would you have me be, not do, but be? He'd, ha- he'd have me be loving. He'd have me be honest. He'd have me be, like, not judgmental. You know, so, um, and for me, it's, it's, I feel God's presence. That's, that's what it's, 
it's like feeling his presence, you know. And that's why I need to get quiet, and I get quiet. And um, because really it's in knowing me that I feel closer to God. It's like the more I know about me, like the closer I feel to God. And um, and I only achieve that by, you know, working the steps and then living the steps. So I hope that helps. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just wondering if you could talk about, um, well, you mentioned, like, going through really difficult experiences, like, you're uh, making decisions around your fiance, your mother, and sister. Um, uh, were there some signals that you got from God that helped make it clear what, like, how you define, okay, what is loving, what is honest? Like, what helped you um, know uh, that, like, what your path was? That's a good question. How do I know um, what my path was during difficult situations, difficult decisions. You know, I had to get really close to God and ask God. I would call my sponsor to say, what should I do here? And she would say, why don't you meditate on that and ask God? The answers will come. The answers will come if your own house is in order. What does that mean? For me, that means, like, i got to get really quiet. i got to give time to God to help me find, like, the signs, you know? And um, it's like an intuition now. It's like if I'm doing the right thing, then I know that's God. If I'm if I'm taking an action where it's just to fulfill me, then I know that's self will. So I really try to take my time. I I journal and I ask God like whatever would feel right in my heart, like the loving thing that would feel right in my heart, and. You know, that's kind of how, like, I just try to do the right thing because I know that's where God lives. And, you know, um, yeah, and it usually, like, feels, it just feels good, you know? It's like when you do the right thing, you feel good, you know? So I hope that helps. Hi, yes. Thank you so much, Veronica. Um, Given what I imagine your daily schedule is like, imagine, do you have a daily spiritual routine? Give, what might it be? Given my daily busy life, do I have a daily spiritual routine or what is my spiritual routine? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so I have the same routine and even when I travel I do this, okay? So when I travel, I take I, I do plan my meals and I take my meals with me. But in the morning, first thing I do is I log into a meeting, and I do um, I have my regular meetings on regular meeting days, and I go to my regular meetings, and then I read the you know couple of spiritual readings, and then I set time aside to get quiet, and then um, you know I make appointments with sponsees, and. And I, I do a lot of, like, recovery, you know. And I, I um, you know, like, on my wall, I have, like, the, the, the step 11 question. So I ask myself every night, you know. Like, pro- program is all over my house, you know. And it's, it's part of, like, my routine. So I do it every day. 
and I just I log in at least to a meeting, at least one meeting every day, and I help others. And but I really just talk to God a lot, like a lot. I hope that helps. Thank you.